Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Well, welcome to this week's Countryside Programme with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. And we spoke about the weather last week, Kiri, and how sort of tricky it is for farmers trying to feed animals that are outside in particular with the, the masses of rain that have accumulated over the last few weeks, isn't it? It seems to be the, the regular thing year on year now. It's a lot, lot wetter in the winter times. Uh, at least it's mild, as one save in yeah. Greece. But no, it does look a bit... Uh, Dim and deary out there, doesn't it? And it's amazing, in a way, when you look at some of the fields and the mud at the gates where they're feeding the cat, how, you know, they can sort themselves out, you know, in a year's time, look as... That's right. As long as there's not more rain. <laughs> but <laughs> well, the, the, come the, springtime, the ploughs are in and it's all tidied up and you'd hardly know what happened, would yeah. you really? Well, I was lucky. It just stopped raining when I joined Bry Radcliffe, one of the veg growers uh, from the north of the Isle of Man. And he has his little cave, as I call it, on the quay, uh, where he's uh, it was very, very popular. I was there last Saturday in the queue out there, you know, just getting the fresh veg. There, And I joined him out in one of the fields up north. Uh, he was out there on his own, picking the sprouts and the water all dripping off them. Great crunchy noise uh, when he was just taking them off the off the stalks. Uh, so it's that was something uh, very interesting. And then I attended a very successful uh, Manx Whale and Dolphin Watch show that was put on at the Villa Marina Saturday and Sunday. And uh, they had life-size models there of the, the, the whales and dolphins and so much information about the history of it and also, uh, you know, information about the, the mammals that was there on show and something for the kids to entertain them as well. It was great. Well, that's it. And plus, like, we get to see so many of the mammals around the Isle of Man. You know, it, people, you know, really show an interest now. They want to get and find out more and you know, get the binoculars out and see what else they can spot out there mm. too. I wouldn't do to look too far on some of the places. But you were also uh, at a very uh, well-supported gathering um, put on by Chris Neal. Yeah, the rural business consultant Chris Neal uh, brought over two fabulous speakers, a younger tenant farmer and an older, very successful beef farmer winning the actual Beef Farmer of the Year award last year. And it's great for farmers to interact and hear different stories from around the UK. Sometimes you think you're the only one having a bad day, but all the other farmers are too. So it's good for farmers to get off their own farms and out to listen to these meetings. Well, you can hear all of that in detail now here on this week's Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Kerry, we spoke last week about the the soggy sort of weather underfoot and how it's affecting things, particularly people trying to feed animals. And I know we feel sorry for the odd motorist because the tractor's coming in out in the fields, but that, that's the bit where you've got to feed them from, isn't it? Yeah, well, so. this is it. It does get a little bit muddy, but people on the Isle of Man seem to be a little more understanding, especially in the countryside. But it is a difficult time, but spring's around the corner. Oh, well, you're looking on the optimistic side of it. Like Brian Radcliffe, who runs the, of course, veg store here, on uh, well here in Ramsey on the Isle of Man on the quay uh, every Saturday's open but of course he has to work hard all the week getting preparations ready for to stock that up and also uh, some of the restaurants are on the Isle of Man and the some of the markets that he supplies as well well I caught up with them in the middle of the field on his own picking sprouts the weather it's it's been a tough hour winter hasn't it January's been exceptionally wet but we battled on it's a great day here today we're out the coast here and the sun is on our backs now, and it's just quite beautiful picking these sprouts, isn't it? Mmm, that is gorgeous, isn't it? That is a true veg man, just taking a bite of them raw from the field. Trying to have a bite yourself? <laughs> we'll do a second or two. Put one in your pocket for later. <laughs> the great thing is, when, when people, I suppose, you, I was in um, at your place on the Keen Ramsey last week, mm-hmm. and uh, the amount of people coming in 
with that sort of knowledge that they can get the good Manx produce, the veg and everything. They don't see this side of it bright too often, do they? They don't really, you know, this is, um, this is when we've got to really battle on and um, got deadlines to do, even for a little fellow like myself. Great to have the support, it really is. Christmas was particularly busy. I couldn't manage without my little team of helpers. And we battled on, the weather was kind. Yeah, it's great, and I love meeting the people. It's really smashing to build up a rapport with them. It's lovely. Yeah. Do they ask many questions when you're in there? Oh, loads, yeah. 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 And you try and explain to them what's in season and what's not in season and why it's got a blemish or why you haven't got any or whatever else. But no, it's cracking. I love it. Nice to meet the people. I'm looking up here, and we're just here around this group and this bucket of sprouts that you got picked here. Yeah, come on, let's keep moving. And, and, I, oh dear, and I can see them for quite a mile up this field, really. It's, how, how much of, uh, of it is sprouts in this particular area? Uh, well, where we are here now, there's about half an acre of sprouts, but probably in total there's maybe about an acre or more just scattered around in other little fields and pockets everywhere. But in this field, we've got some uh, leeks along the headland here. Uh, some sprouts, some parsnips, some carrots, and in the bulk of the field with spuds. They've all been lifted and gone now and uh, safely stored away at home. But it's nice, nice ground. If you if you look uh, south, lovely view of the hills here, isn't it? You can see all the way from Kirk Michael to Mackle. It's gorgeous, and in a summer's day, it's just beautiful. You come out here and just virtually go to sleep on the tractor and enjoy it. Lovely. This side of it is it is it difficult or are you sort of are they all traditional with crop rotation about different vegetables in different areas each year? Uh, yeah, pa- uh, ro- rotation is key, isn't it? Rotation is key to anything. Uh, we never grow the same thing twice in a five or six year rotation, really, on the ground. Um, and plenty of dung, plenty of dung, and old fashioned rotations is key, really. And to be honest, we're not as long as um, the weeds are not in too much competition with the crop. We just battle on with them because more often than not, kill maize and red shank will die off. And there's a bit of grass, as you can see, in chickweed, but it's okay. You've got to have a little bit for all the insects and other little birdies to chew on, haven't you? There's a couple of hollows in this field where the water's settled in now. I mean, how much is that a problem? Does the stuff still grow in it? No, it's gone, it's gone rotten there. It just happened to be a little low spot in the field, and we've just got to wipe it out. It could be a lot worse, could be a lot better. Got to be philosophical, haven't you? Take the rough with the smooth be better day coming what's the worst ones that are affected by weather in in your sort of line of vegetables and fruit um, probably carrots really i suppose you don't like to have wet feet do they carrots a lot of people um spoke to across i've got friends across and the water table has been so high but carrots are going rotten from the bottom up but we're not too bad here i have lost little pockets or two often but we're okay we're not too bad you got to plant a little bit in every field to spread the risk haven't you you know you don't want to have all your carrots in one little patch. So I like to have about half a dozen or eight different patches around about. Well, you've got your outlet, of course, which is busy on the Saturday uh, in the cave, as I call it. But the I man mean, cave, yeah, it's lovely <laughs> is in there. there. Is there lots of other places that, that, that you do do apart from that? Yeah, well, we're probably the next best one of where most people get the veggies for food assembly in Douglas. It's a great little spot down there at Noah and um, it's it's an online shop really it is so you can choose from vegetables from me or meat from other people and dairy products and lovely yogurt from Billy and Kiri and it's great people come along up there buy it all online come along meet the people hand it over have a chit chat it's lovely on every Wednesday every other Wednesday I should say yeah and what what, it, what do the what's the main thing they say about it I mean they don't mind a lot of them don't mind a bit of bit of soil still on them and what have you do they they don't mind a bit of dirt um at least you know it's fresh grown dirty carrots dirty parsnips little tails on the leeks things like that and um 
I don't know, just come down to have a chat with me, really. Briar Radcliffe there out in the field, uh, picking the sprouts that are going to be uh, freshly in the markets and at the restaurants and getting ready his stock for the weekend at uh, his place on the quay in Ramsey. And it's just, it puts it to home, really, when I was standing out in that field with him. Luckily, it had been raining, so all the water was dripping off the sprouts. You could hear them crunching away there. And he's just out in the middle of the field with the with the earphones on him, working away. Yeah. This is it. His hands must have been absolutely frozen. No, it's no, been a think, right cold spell. Well, I think Diane told me oh, his hands are quite warm always, so he's, <laughs> I suppose he's lucky in that respect. But uh, it is one of them things that he says, well, you know, that's, that's what I do, you know, it's... It's not. He's never going to make a million pound in it. But you know, what what do you do? This is it. He's so successful, and many people island wide will go to Ramsey and get his his veg. You know, it's is second to none, and especially the amount of effort that goes into it. And he's got a brilliant Facebook page there for all of the local people to keep up to date with what he's up to on the farm. And and it's it's great business he runs. Yeah, the people come in for a chat. I think he could make more money from the from a counselling service or something. <laughs> if you set one up, Selling tea. <laughs> But I suppose uh, Bri has been in, involved in, in that in, in a way in the family side of it just about all his life and some people even who've been in it a while still like to seek a little bit of uh, advice don't they agricultural wise? That's right it's always good to, to share knowledge and maybe some methods work and some methods don't but recently a rural business consultant Chris Neal he's invited farmers over to the Isle of Man to give a talk to our farmers and uh, I went along to see how this meeting went with Chris. We had James Beery and his wife Julia Tenant farmers, sheep farmers from uh, recently moved into from Staffordshire to Yorkshire, and uh, we also had Paul and Dinwin Williams from uh, North Wales. They were beef beef and sheep farmers, with uh, suffering with a horrific horrific rainfall area in, in <laughs> North Wales. So yeah, all, and obviously we had um, Oliver McIntyre, the agricultural specialist from Barclays. So we had three really good speakers, who all brought. Um, brought something to the table and made an, an excellent night. It was really good to, to hear Jim talk at the meeting, Chris. He's a young farmer trying to get into agriculture. You know, what hurdles he has to come across, tenancies and all the rest of it. Is it as difficult for young farmers to get into the industry here on the island? It's difficult for any anybody young trying to grow their own business. And that's effectively what Jim is doing. And uh, that's effectively what, you know, the Isle of Man's young farmers are doing. It is difficult. You know, and if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But um, Jim, he's doing well. He's had to diversify. He tried to go down a, a high-value niche marketing route, director, public director, restaurants. It didn't work. And he was lucky enough to get a tenancy on a county council farm in Staffordshire. And he, from there, he built it up to the point where he needed a bigger farm. And uh, he was lucky enough to get get this farm in Yorkshire. A lot of passion with Jim, and it is essential for a young person starting out in agriculture because, it, like you say, it can be very difficult. But with the two farmers that you brought over, Manx farmers could, you know, take notes from that meeting the other night. There was a lot of incentive and quite a positive outcome for many of the aspects of their farming industry. One of the things is benchmarking. You know, it seemed to be really prominent in their business and obviously Oliver from Barclays really liked the idea of it as well. It, you know, you're monitoring your herd. It's very modern, using technology. It seems to be a good way forward. Yeah, it was interesting speaking to Oliver. It was probably the one thing that separated some of the top businesses that he worked with versus some of the bottom end businesses that he worked with. And it was evident when you spoke to Jim and Paul 
that uh, they knew their costs down to the nth degree. They knew where to focus their efforts. They knew what was driving the profit in their business. They knew which areas to work on. They knew, you know, they were making decisions on hard cash fact rather than gut or hearsay. You know, it was it was paying dividends. Paul was doing a lot on technical, I suppose, technical benchmarking. He was benchmarking his um, herd fertility, suckler cow fertility, and that was driving down his his carbon interval. And that was actually you know adding an extra 140, 150 pound ahead onto his bottom line, just from from exactly the same cow. So your benchmarking really uh, is something to be embraced, not to be sh- not to be shied away from. I was Chris Neal from the Rural Business Consultancy. <laughs> You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermod and myself, Simon Clark, And we heard there from Chris Neal about, you know, uh, getting these visiting farmers to the Isle of Man just to maybe get of advice and everything. And I think you you attended the meeting there and caught up with some of the people, didn't you? I did. The evening was a very, very busy evening with lots of the farmer community turning out. You know, it's been a little while since we've had a, a, an agricultural meeting like that, listening to other people's methods and what they do. And these two visiting farmers from the UK... One was a younger tenant farmer and the other a very successful beef farmer winning the Beef Farmer of the Year Award 2017 and I caught up with him on the evening. Paul, welcome to the Isle of Man. I believe this isn't your first visit. It isn't, but this is my proper first visit to be <laughs> honest with you. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. You had a lovely island. Paul, you're not born into a farming family. How did you get involved? No, you're right. I was actually born in a council flat in a small village in rural North Wales. Um, my, my grandparents farmed. Um, uh, and ever since I was knee high to a grasshopper, really, I, I, I wanted to be on the farm with them. I spent a very lo- a lot of my time with them as a kid growing up. And I just fell in love with the farm and, and the industry, really. So I knew from a very young age that that's what I wanted to do. A very successful beef farmer winning this year's Beef Farmer of the Year Award 2017. A huge accolade. You must be very, very proud. Oh, absolutely. Uh, to us, it was a huge shock. Um, you know, it, um, we don't wake up in the morning set out to win anything. We just want to win a living, to be honest with you. So, um, and, and to win something like this is it's just absolutely fantastic. And we, we, we've been very busy travelling up and down the country doing these talks. And, and we, for me, all I want to do is, is meet other farmers. And um, the more I meet, the more I get out of it, to be honest with you. But sharing the knowledge of a successful business is key these days. Your farm, you're part of the monitoring scheme in Wales. Are you believe that this is essential to business? Yes. I mean, look, uh, all I can go, I, all I can do is go out there and tell them what we do. And I, I don't, I don't like to preach to anybody how to run their business because they will run their business totally different to what I do and probably do a better job of it. But to me, um, you've got to know your baseline costs and where you want to go before you can get there. Because if you don't, you're never going to get there. Um, so. What we've tried to do is basically look at every possible angle of the business, all the costs, all the cost of productions, and then that will give us the answers at the end of the day. If you give our listeners a little bit of background, where you're from and what you actually run. Well, basically we're, we're an upland farm up in uh, the Conroy Valley, on the tops of the Conroy Valleys in, in Clanrose, North Wales. Uh, we're, we're a suckler cow and, be- and sheep unit. We currently up to about 60 suckler cows. Uh, we run about 600 ewes. 
and then we also uh, run a, a calf rearing business as well, mainly to give us a, our own replacements more than anything else. We've also diversified. We, we've got a small wind turbine. The wife's got a marquee hire business, but it, it's all about the farming, really. And it's it's quite similar to here with rainfall. You, I wish I I wish I had your rainfall. Really do. Uh, we, we've got something like three times the rainfall of Douglas, if not more, uh, four times actually. Um, yeah, that, that is the challenge. That's the biggest challenge we've got, uh, certainly in our part of the world, is the, the, the huge amount of rainfall. On average, we, on a good year, we'll get 2.6 metres. We went up to 4.1 metres in 2015, which is, you know, you, you can't farm with that sort of rain, really. No, it's, it's absolutely absurd. But do you believe that uh, climate change is one of the bigger factors that it's going to affect the agricultural industry? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not necessarily a bad thing because I think what we'll have, certainly in Britain, is a warmer climate, so that's more grass. But the consequence of a warmer climate is more rain in the winter. And I think certainly where we are, we have to manage that differently to what we've been doing. Jim, your first trip to the Isle of Man, welcome. I guess it's quite similar to where you're farming now, but as a young farmer, moving from Staffordshire to an upland farm, how has the transition been? It's been quite an education. We've had to learn and adapt um, pretty quickly to make it work. Um, and challenging, really, but, you know, in a, in a positive way, but definitely challenging. Yeah. So as a young person, you were always a sheep farmer. How did it all begin? Um, I actually grew up on a, a beef and pig farm, but I decided that sheep was probably my best route into farming on my own it, it, it was, there was less money needed to start and, and you, you were going to see your money back a little bit quicker as well so and it just just was a, the quickest way of building up stock numbers and, and equipment so I decided to, to go for that really. And how has it been a young person getting involved in agriculture? Are tenancies easy come by? You know is there a lot of competition? Yeah huge amount of competition tenancies aren't easy to come by but but they are there if you've got the right plan you need some capital. It, it, it is doable, yeah. There's more share farming agreements coming around, contract farming. There's, you know, you've got young people today quite good at thinking outside the box. So there are opportunities there. You just got to think about how, how to tap into them, really. I see you've embraced technology and the help from other people, benchmarking and using the Liverpool Vet College also to aid your farm and enterprises. Yeah, that's right. It kind of works for both of us. It, gives the students there some experience and a, and a project to do and then we sort of reap the benefits of their project by putting it into practice and, and improving our, our uh, animal health and, and management. Do you see benchmarking essential? Uh, definitely, yeah. Probably one of the most important things to be doing, yeah. You don't know where you're at if you don't do that and you don't know how you compare to other people and, and where you can improve, you know. So it's, it's absolutely essential. Your visit to the island, Oliver, is to do with Barclays hosting a meeting with the Rural Business Consultancy to address farmers on industry what, what's your role in Barclays? I'm UK based my job title is National Agricultural Strategy Director and what that entails within Barclays UK is uh, just overseeing our policy overseeing our marketing our presence at some of the business business shows and just getting involved in some problem cases at times because occasionally uh, you know lending doesn't always go to plan in the agricultural sector in a price-taking industry but it's a very varied job and, and and today it's brought me to the Isle of Man which is fabulous. Well you've always been brought up on a farm you, you you grew up on a pig farm back in Lancashire so you know the ins and outs of it it must be very helpful when a farmer comes to see you yeah it's it's uh, I've got quite an interesting background so I grew up on a family farm as you rightly say um, I then I've, I've done ag college went to Myersco Agricultural College in Lancashire 
spent about 10 years managing farms for other people, so that gives you a different perspective. Uh, and then five or six years in consultancy and about the same lending money. And, and now I'm in this job. I, I don't, my friends say I can't hold a job down, apparently. So, uh, But it, it does give you that broad spectrum. And, and being able to you know, chat to farmers and really identify with the, the issues they're facing can, can really help conversations, sure. And how has things been going in the agricultural industry? The last few years have been very testing, and now with Brexit in the future. Yeah, really tough. Sort of 2014, 15, 16 in the UK has been really tough. Really low milk prices, really low grain prices. Beef and lamb, not as effective, but still tough. And the pig price has been horrendous, to be honest. But what we have seen in 2016 is, is far stronger markets, far more demand. Weakening of the pound has helped because it's uh, helped make those uh, imports a little bit uh, less competitive with UK produce. Uh, so overall, UK agriculture had a really good year in 2017. I think for us, Brexit, you know, it, it's just, it's a fog, to be honest. You know, it's on the horizon, it is coming, and the date is bearing down upon us. But the only thing we keep telling our customers is focus on your core business, focus on your cost of production, be the best you can, and, and you will get through this. Because I, I, I swear blind, we get 10, 20, 30 down, years down the road, it'll just become a distant memory in the past. Maintain that efficiency, that's what it's about. And how do you see young people coming into the agricultural industry? Are they still flocking in? There's a lot of people uh, wanting to get into the industry. I think if you look at the figures for agricultural college in the UK, you know, their numbers are up hugely so. When I went to agricultural college uh, in the dim and distant past, I think there was 18 on, on a national diploma course. Now they're running sort of 30, 40 people on some of those courses. So there is a, a, a big influx of people into the industry. But what they've also got to remember is that you know, working in agriculture isn't all about working on a farm. You know, I, I, I consider myself to work in agriculture, but I work for a bank. There's consultancy. There's, you know, the feed and nutrition industry. There's all sorts of ways into agriculture. And whilst it is a really difficult industry to get into with high capital costs, you know, if, if, you, want to, if you want to be a hairdresser with a high street shop, you're going to have to build up an awful lot of money to go to a bank and say, right, I want to buy a shop, I want to run my own salon. You know, it, it is exactly the same. Getting into business is not easy. That was Oliver McIntyre from Barclays, Jim Beery and Paul Williams from Wales. And it's fantastic to hear from them visiting farmers and great that it was supported so well. And it was great that Chris Neal managed to, to get some backing for that because obviously you've got to get people over here and everything. And it was nice that a, a bank has got involved with some help as well, wasn't it? It was great. And especially Oliver with a farming background as well. He grew up on a farm and then was a farm manager and then a business consultant himself. It was, it was great to hear from the banking society's views and also in, in a lot of layman's terms as well. But we get a lot of support from the banks here on the Isle of Man and they can determine the success of many of the business, really. They can. It was great to hear young and older, uh, younger one and, and more experienced ones giving their views on how, how what they've managed to uh, succeed with, in a way, isn't it? Well, that's it. And, and many young farmers will sometimes wonder if they're doing the right thing getting into agriculture. And it is a long, hard road. But it was nice to have a, a successful young farmer there showing how, you know, he's got over his fails and improved and he's still striving forward. Mm. Well, we spoke about all the wet weather at the start of the programme. Perfect weather for whales and dolphins. They'd be able to swim anywhere on some of the land <laughs> on the Isle of Man. Well, this weekend there was an exhibition on and a show, and uh, a lot of people and members of the Manx Whale and Dolphin Watch supported their own event. Uh, and they produced this show on at the Villa Marine on Saturday and Sunday. And I went along to find out more of what was on display. Well, let's have a chat with some of the younger generation who are keen to learn about the whales and dolphins around the Isle of Man. Who am I speaking to? Evie. Amelia, Abby, 
a lot of these whales and dolphins seem quite big. They're not too scary though, are they? No, they're not scary. No? And what, what fascinating things do you know about them? Sometimes they eat plankton, but they can smell it with, like, sometimes with their mouths and sometimes with their nose. Yeah. And what about you? Um, we've been learning about basking sharks, and one of the facts is when basking sharks rub against each other, they leave a, a snot, like, fishy smell in the water. And what about you? What have you learned uh, from today? There's a lot of people here. Yeah, there is. And it's really cool. Um, it's cool to know about all the different like breeds and colours that I've never even heard of before. I've yeah. never heard of them before. It's really cool. And there's the quiz. The quiz is really fun. What, what's been the most surprising bit that you've found out about them? Um, probably the fact that well, you get very small breeds of shark. Um, not sorry, sharks. Whales. I didn't know that. I think they were like humongous. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's not just the massive whales you see on films. Then. Yeah. There's lots of boards here with uh, photographs and pictures on as well. Yeah, and they're very ballistic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And would you like to go out in a big boat and sit alongside them in the sea? Yeah, it's a little bit more sunny, yeah. <laughs> so I'm talking to Peter McAvoy. And the great thing about it is it's so educational and the kids love it because there's so much for them to see the life-size models but there's a lot for the for the grown-ups to read and learn isn't there there is indeed yeah the kids love getting hands-on but there's lots of useful information we've picked up our, our little lanyard uh, with all the local species on it so we'll keep that in the glove box of the car do you, do you ever have sightings of them around the Isle of Man coast when you driving out in bed or walking? Oh yes, and um, we sign up to the Manx Wheel and Dolphin Watch, uh, the, the WhatsApp group, so you get live uh, updates when they're out and about, so we'll go and see those when we can. Um, there was an amazing sighting of minkies a few months ago off uh, Marine Drive, and that was spectacular, so that was thanks to the, the quick reaction from the, the uh, WhatsApp group. Well, let's have a chat with Education Manager for the Manx Whale and Dolphin Watch, Jen Adams. What a turnout you've had. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. Um, so yesterday we had well over a thousand people through the doors and today it's, what is it, almost one o'clock and it's busier than it was this time yesterday. So amazing turnout. Um, everybody loves it. The kids are fascinated by the size of these amazing creatures. What's been the, you, obviously you've been here on hand and probably answering a lot of questions that people have been asking you. Well, what's what's the sort of most top of questions or inquiries people have been asking? A lot of people want to know how they can get involved and how they can spot whales and dolphins themselves from the coast. So we're offering lots of hints and tips, um, good things to look out for, and also we tell them to sign up to our WhatsApp live sightings feed if we take their phone number and then we can notify them of live sightings as and when they come through and sign up to our Facebook page as well. How critical is that that the public are involved in the Manx Whale and Dolphin Watch? It's essential. I mean, you can only really ensure the ongoing conservation of a species if the public are behind it. So no matter how much research we're doing, if the public don't know about our research and our findings, then we're not really making that much of a difference. We want the Manx community to really get involved and see whales and dolphins as part of our um, Manx national heritage. What about this exhibition or show that you put on over the weekend here at the Villa Marina? Is this something you regularly do or not to this scale before? 
Um, we've never done anything like this before. It's the biggest show we've ever put on. We had no idea what to expect, so it's definitely exceeded our expectations. Um, and it's been amazing. A lot of people have been asking whether we're going to do it again. So we, the answer is probably yes. It takes a lot of organisation. So maybe in a couple of years' time or something like that. Some of the people who attended a very successful weekend at the Villa Marina at the Manx Whale and Dolphin Watch show. And it was great, Kerry. They had life-size models um, of the whales and dolphins there. And the kids were absolutely loving it. You know, and when you're up close to them, you know, you're sort of glad that they're in the sea <laughs> and we're on the land sometimes. They're an awful lot bigger when they're up close, aren't they? Mm. You only ever see like a, a fin or a or a bit of a tail disappearing back under. So it is nice to have the opportunity to, you know, to get up and see them and ha- compare size. Yeah, it was great. You know, that the the new boat they've got, you know, named Gat. Galps after you know the the late John Galpin who was the founder of her. It was absolutely fabulous, and all that um, stories of it were all there. It was great. It's lovely how the the marine life around the Isle of Man is so well looked after. But it's also great for people to get out on the coastal paths. We're very lucky and lovely to see some of these animals really up close, aren't they? Yeah, they are indeed. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, that rounds off this week's Countryside, Kiri. Um, it was great to hear the stories of them visiting farmers, young and old, which was nice, wasn't it, at that um, event put on by Chris Neal? Well, this is it. As we were talking about rainfall before, we thought it's very wet on the Isle of Man, but when you compare four metres in Wales... It's a bit of a difference. Yeah, I think we're quite lucky here. Yeah, and uh, also the Manx Whale and Dolphin Watch, they've got a great uh, following, and it started uh, quite a few years ago now, and they, they've got a new boat and everything, and it was great to hear. Um, the information that was there was just great, the life-size, mo- you know, inflatable models and, um, the, you know, the young something there for the young ones, and it's not just to educate them educates us as well well this is it you're never too old to learn something new and and plus if you have the opportunity to get out on a boat and actually around the waters these mammals are quite friendly really aren't they there's yeah. lots of sightings so they say <laughs> and also big bry with his sexy sprouts <laughs> he's he's tough if you ever go to his facebook page isn't it kiri Oh, he's, he's got them all sorts of names on his veg, hasn't he? He has, but he's so passionate about what he does. And, you know, it's bringing home, like, the reality, him out there in a wet, old, horrible day, covered in mud, but loving what he does because, you know, it's providing local produce and it's so well supported. Yeah, people just don't see that side of it. They just see it on a Saturday standing inside a, on a concrete floor. This is Selling it. them to the general public. So uh, hats off to people who are involved in that. All right, we'll leave it there for this week's Country Show. We're back next week with more. So from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kiri Kermud. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds, and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shore.com. Love being sure. Terms and conditions apply.